Well, praise God. Brother Jordan, I just want to say thank you for the opportunity to minister. I don't take it lightly. Um, you know, this is the kind of subject that I'm pretty always prepared for, for, for this subject. But, um, you know, I, I still, I study to show myself approved. I, I take it very seriously. And uh, been praying, been studying. And, you know, my wife can tell you I don't just take this lightly. But I'm just so thankful. And uh, Stephen, every service, every message I preach, I preach on one title, one, one main emphasis. What is that? Choices, absolutely. And the reason is, the reason I always preach a message on choices is because no matter what you hear, you always have a choice to act on it or not. Raymond T. Ritchie said that faith is simply acting on God's Word. That's what faith is, is acting on His Word. And you know, Pastor talks about how when he was pastoring that church out in Otisco, that, um, that um, you know, he, he needed to know some things about pastoring a church. He needed to know some things about the ministry of deliverance and uh, taking authority over evil spirits and about that unseen realm. And uh, not just in the evil spirit side of it, but also the angelic realm too. And God personally taught him. The Holy Ghost taught him through reading his Bible. And the revelation of the Holy Ghost taught him the ministry of deliverance. And, you know, as a teenager, uh, you know, my parents, I was a little older when we got into the church. And uh, I was four and a half. But still, I'd already had some negative influence. And I was already, you know, had a lot of just from family and friends and public school. You know how it is. And the, the younger you start raising your kids and putting the things of God in them, the better it is. And... Uh, and, you know, because of that, I already had some, some wrong kind of seeds sown in me. And, um, and so as I continue to get older, you know, and things, I, you know, a lot of that and a lot of the negative influences and family and school and stuff, I, I, you know, I started to walk down a path that wasn't good. And it wasn't going very good quick. And, uh, and you know, it was taking a, a turn towards not a good, towards not a good direction. And, um, and you know, I... So when I when I gave my my heart to God and I got serious about Him, you know, I had to I had to learn some of this again. I had to you know because I hadn't lived it as a teenager. You know, when I, I got right with God when I was fourteen and got hungry for God and started changing my life, but my mind was so messed up. My you know I was so I was just so full of all the wrong things, lust and the wrong kind of thoughts and the wrong kind of just seen a lot of the wrong images. Just a lot of things. And I know you know what I'm talking about because things are, things are more prevalent now than they were then. So don't act like you don't know what I'm talking about. And don't, like, don't act like you haven't had some things, you know, if we all exposed, you know, it's kind of like when the lights come on, all the cockroaches run. But when the lights go out, they come back out. And, uh, and uh, so, you know, don't act all holy on me. I'm, I'm, you know, everybody, everybody's had some things that they've had to deal with in that area. And it's kind of what we're going to talk about tonight. Go turn with me to 1 Thessalonians 4. And I am uh, feel like I'm stalling around here and not getting going real quick. But praise God. And, uh, but that, I said all that to say that, you know, just like God taught Pastor Michael how to that ministry of deliverance and taught him that personally. This is something that the Holy Ghost, of course, he used my pastors, used my youth ministers, used some other people in my life, used my parents, used my dad. But, you know, I had to figure some things out from the Holy Ghost because nobody, nobody could fix my mind but me. But me. 
The Holy Ghost just couldn't come in and do it. I had to learn how to take control of my mind. I had to learn how to, I le- I had to, learn how to possess my vessel. That's my body, my flesh, my mind. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight. Brother Jordan, I wasn't here for all of the sessions, unfortunately. I was here for when, uh, you know, the Thursday before Thanksgiving when he taught on, uh, on dating and what the Word says about it. And, I mean, he, he did an awesome job. You should take those notes and look at those notes. Think about those scriptures. It'll help you. It'll help you. You know, I'm just like everybody else. I made some mistakes, you know, and, and um, pursued some things I shouldn't. You know, but praise God for the blood of Jesus and praise God for the Holy Ghost that'll help you and teach you. I heard the voice of God every time. Don't do that. Don't do that. Man, if you're hearing that, don't do it. Don't do it. My goodness, don't do it. Don't do it. And uh, my goodness, hallelujah. Glory to God. So the Holy Ghost had to teach, had to teach me about this. And, uh, and I, you know, I needed some help. And uh, I needed some help. My parents were great parents. I never was allowed to spend the night anywhere with anybody. But, you know, there was like maybe one or two times that I would talk them into it. And, and that was the rule, but I talked them into bending once or twice. And, you know, every time I did that, it never was good. I got some wrong deposits sewn into me. Got seen some things I wish I hadn't seen and just got exposed to some things that I hadn't, you know, other people's families that ain't right and stuff. And, and you know, I had to deal with that later. And, and had a, just was real messed up in my mind. Real messed up in my mind. Entertaining things that had no business entertaining. Now, this, I was 14. And, uh, but, you know, it didn't take long. And, I mean, it got turned around in about a year. But, see, God had to teach me. And, of course, he used my pastor. But I want to talk to you about some of that tonight, about how to possess your vessel, how to take care of your flesh, because you're going to have to deal with it. You know, you're, 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 you know, the area of sexual purity is not something that really... You know, it's going to affect your spirit. Your spirit's born again, but you got to deal with the pressures of the, of, the, of your fleshly appetites. And um, so, let's look at First Thessalonians four four. I hope that's where I told you to turn. And uh, let's start in verse three. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. Which basically that word means purity. That's what that means. And see, the world we talk about, we use that term purity, sexual purity. We use that like it's a staple, which it is. Yeah, I know what that means to me. It means something very important to me. But see, most people they don't know. <laughs> they, what is that? It means pleasing God, <laughs> pleasing God in your body, pleasing God in your mind, pleasing God in your decisions, your choices, what you do. That's what it means. Living holy, living clean. Pleasing God in the area of your sex, in, in the area of your sexual appetites and sexual desires. Pleasing Him, He's got a plan. It's not. Brother Jordan said that, and again, I, I kind of said that for a reason that I didn't hear everything he he taught on. But I know he laid a very good foundation for what we're going to talk about tonight. And uh, you know what's wrong. Don't tell me you don't know what's wrong and you don't know what's right. I heard. I, I knew somebody one time. I was in a setting. Now this was most of you don't know Mike Moylan, but. I was in a setting with him one time. That was my youth minister. Someone came in and threw their Bible down on the, on the coffee table and said, you show me in here where it says sex before marriage is wrong. <laughs> they asked the wrong dude. <laughs> they, they, didn't, they, didn't they ask the wrong dude, Brother Joe? You knew him. Yeah, they asked the, yeah, they asked the wrong dude. And, um, and he wouldn't tell him. He wouldn't tell him. He's like, you're going to come in here with an attitude like that? I'm not going to talk to you at all. 
wanting me to, where does it say that at? You're going to have to study your Bible. But every time it says sanctification, it talks about sexual immorality. It's talking, it's talking about things that involve your body sexually outside of the, outside of the atmosphere of, in the covenant of marriage. That's what it's talking about. And so we already know that. Brother Jordan's done a great job of teaching you. So we're going to, you know, without going into all that. And I mean, I could, if this was a guy's only session, I could talk to you about some things that would help you. It would be inappropriate tonight. But, uh, but you know, there's a lot of things that go on that sometimes don't, doesn't get addressed because it's not all pleasing to talk about. But people deal with things. People, there's a lot of pressures out there. And I'm telling you, I've lived through it all. And I know that it can be done. You can live clean. You can live clean. You can live clean. It, you know, a lot of people, for whatever reason, when pressure comes, they just think that the Bible ain't true. Yeah. <laughs> no, the Bible's true. You can live clean in an unclean world. My goodness. You got the Holy Ghost living on the inside of you. Man, nothing's impossible with God. And uh, hallelujah. Well, glory to God. <laughs> I feel like I'm not getting anywhere. Glory to God. Let's read this again. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor. That you should know, you should know how to possess your vessel, how to live in life with living clean, living right. Glory to God. Verse 5, not in passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. See, they don't know God. You can't expect people to live clean that don't know God, that don't even know it's possible. They don't have any light on the inside. They're in darkness. They're going to live in darkness. Verse 6, that no one should take advantage of and defraud his brother in this matter. Well, glory to God. We're brothers and sisters in Christ, and we need to be cautious that we're not, we're not hurting each other in this area. Yes, glory to God. You should know how to possess your vessel. You should know how to carry yourself. You should know how to act and behave in your body, with your body, with your mind, with the way you think. You should know. We're going to learn tonight how to do that. It's important that you know. It's important that you know how to possess your vessel in sanctification and honor. I'm telling you something about honor. This, your generation don't know anything about it. I believe they do here in the church, but people don't know anything about honor. People don't know anything about honor and about what that means. That you honor God in your body. That you honor God with the way you think. You honor God with your time. You honor God with your money. My goodness, what a thing to learn. What, it's, it's, it's your responsibility to learn. It's your responsibility. You've got to possess your vessel. You've got to take care of you. No, I can't, I can't live this area for anybody. I can only live it for me. And you know, just because just God hooks you up with the right person that he's got for your life doesn't mean that this, this is a done deal. Oh, I get to have a sex life. I'm all good now. No, you still gotta, you still got to know how to possess your vessel. You've got you to know how to possess yourself with honor and honor your marriage and honor your wife, honor your husband. You've got to know how to do that. And uh, so, glory to God. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 6. I got a lot of scriptures, and I don't know if I'm going to get to half of them. But verse, uh, 1 Corinthians 6. And let me, while, while we're turning there, let me introduce this thought. that You know, I've, and I've heard this a lot, and I, I mean no disrespect to anyone who said this, but I want to bring some clar- clarification to something. You know, a lot of times you hear the term like, oh, just, just keep your pants on. Just keep, do whatever to keep your pants on. <laughs> I know what people mean when they say that, but the thing is, is, 
you need to be conscious that you don't get an attitude that it's just some kind of desperateness. That, oh, I got to, you know, I'm just, I'm just burning and lusting and I'm, all, and I'm all just burning in my desires and I'm just going to do whatever it takes. I'm going to sit in this shower and cold water on me all night long. I'm going to lock myself in my room. I'm not, because I don't want to mess up. No, there's not a, and the thing is, see, if you've been exposed to some things, then let the, get under the blood of Jesus because you may, you may feel like that at times. But, you know, you walk in this long enough and there's going to be some things change. Jesus said, the pure in heart shall see God. You can live with the purity in your heart where you don't feel desperate all the time. And you can get, you can get around members of the opposite sex and groups of friends and dating and all that stuff later on. And, and it don't, you don't feel like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to explode. No, you don't have to because you, you can have a purity of heart. You can have a purity of heart where you walk, where you walk on the inside knowing that you're clean. Knowing that you're clean, knowing how to respond to things, knowing how to react to things, knowing how to make good choices in that area so that you live clean and don't let anything sway you. But see, it's a purity of heart. The psalmist David told his son Solomon, said, guard your heart with all diligence for out of it's going to flow the issues of life. See, you can have a change of heart. I don't care what you've been exposed to. I, don't, I felt like that in praise and worship, that I just needed to tell you by the Holy Ghost that don't ever quit, don't ever give up. I don't know, what, I don't know exactly what kind of pressure you're dealing with. Maybe even me preaching this makes you, maybe makes you feel like, oh, you've really missed it in an area. Man, maybe there's some things in my life that, that's really messing me up that I don't want anybody to know. Tell you what, let the power of God work on you tonight. <laughs> it ain't over. It ain't over. You can change. You can change. Let the blood of Jesus wash you. Let him get in the word and let the water of the washing of the water a word of the washing of the water of the word change your mind. Wash your mind. Cause you to think different. Cause you to act different. You'll have a change of heart. Guard your heart, for out of it's gonna flow the issues of life. I hope I'm helping you tonight. And uh, glory to God. Uh, let's let's read this though in first Corinthians six. And I mean no disrespect to that statement about, you know, keeping your pants on. I know, you know, our pastor said that. I'm not, I'm, I, would never, I would never disrespect my pastor. But the thing is, see, the concept is, is change your heart first so that you don't get in a place where you're so desperate that you just got to lock yourself in your room and not go out. See, that's not, you should be, we're, we're, you know, you should be, you should be growing up and be a big boy and a big girl and be able to handle yourself and be able to make good choices. You know, it's, I, when, when people say, oh, well, I was, in this, I was in this party and I felt so pressured and I was this and, and, then, and then all of a sudden this happened and this happened and then I, then I hit the, you know, now my life's all a mess because I made some bad choices. Why did you, why did you make the first decision? The first small step to get out of the will of God, then to go to this, then see it all leads to something bigger. Why did you make that first step? Well, glory to God. We'll get into that. We'll get into that. But, you know, it's like, it's like people, you know, it doesn't ever, your life don't ever get messed up in just one foul swoop. That doesn't happen. It happens gradual. You know, people typically don't just, you know, tell God, I'm out of here. I'm going to do my own thing. It normally happens gradual. It normally happens gradual. And, you know, if you learn what those are, you can guard your heart and you can guard your own life to ever getting off course. I'm not saying I've made every perfect decision. I've not made every, every choice perfect. But I've made good choices. Made good choices. And, uh, well, praise God. And I'm not saying any of that to brag on me. I'm just, it's the Word of God. That's what did it. But uh, 1 Corinthians 6, verse 12. All things are lawful, for, all things are lawful for me, but all... Th- Hold on, am I reading that right? All things are lawful for me, but all things are not helpful or profitable. 
All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. I will not be brought under the power of any. Verse 13, foods for the stomach and stomach for the foods, but go- and stomach for foods, but God will destroy both it and them. Now, the body is not for sexual immorality. That's for anything, you know, in a sexual act that's outside of the uh, bonds of marriage there. Um, now, the body is not for sexual immorality, but for the Lord. Your body's for the Lord. Your body's for Him. Your body's to please Him. Your body's to please God. That's what your body's for, to serve God, to, to, to be committed to Him. To live clean and to live holy. To you know, um, I believe it's First uh, Timothy. First Timothy says that you, the young person, you, the young person, should be examples of love and of purity. You should be an example. That's what our body's for. To live as an example. To live as an example. To serve God. To serve in the house of God. To be a blessing to humanity. That's what your body's for. It's for Him. It's for God to use. My goodness, what a thought. Hallelujah, that's what your body's for. So we need to be cautious what we give ourselves to. It's not for sexual immorality. It's not for the things, the, the acts of things that are in that, uh, in that sexual realm that doesn't please God. It's not for that. And we have to be cautious. We have to be cautious. And I'm going to talk to you how to stay out of that tonight. But um, uh, we're moving quickly here. Let's go to Ecclesiastes 9. Oh, now this, mm, this is so, so sweet right here. Thank you, Brother Davon. You're, you're helping me. Ecclesiastes 9. And you know, this is a broad subject because, you know, there's so many... It's not just the... Like I said, it's not just the, the act of sexual things, but uh, just... Glory to God. Let me make sure I... Uh-oh. I wrote Ecclesiastes 9. But, oh, I'm in Isaiah. <laughs> Glory to God. But you know, this, this area of living right and living clean can affect so many different things and um, can hit so many different areas of your life, and it's a broad subject. You know, we could, you could take a whole lesson just talking about First Thessalonians about abstaining from all appearance of evil. You could spend a whole lesson on that, but we won't. We might mention it tonight, but Ecclesiastes 9, I hope everybody's there. I know I'm kind of moving quick, but got some word to put in you. And, and you know, a lot of this, maybe you've, maybe you've heard me say most of this before, but I'm telling you, it's so, so good, and we just need to visit it again. And uh, praise God. You know, I was going to say something about that later, but I might just mention it now. That, you know, one of the things that helped me a lot was when that light came. And I mean when light came. I mean when, when I got revelation of something from God, where the words just jumped off the page, or pastor said something that just went off in my spirit, or Dr. Dufresne, or Pastor Nancy, or, or Pastor Diana said something that just helped me. I, ha- I hung on to that. I hung on to that. And I kept that. And I kept those revelations and those things. And I let that become a part of me. I just didn't get a revelation from God and then just not walk in the light of it. But walk in the light of the things that come. And the Hebrew says not to let them slip. Don't let them slip. But remind yourself again. And you know, that is one of the things that helped, has helped me the most in this area. Where I keep those things fresh. I remember someone came one time. And I remember who they are. But they're not hooked up with us anymore. But they were a minister. And they said, they talked about... Uh, they talked about not trying to get all the small problems out of your life, but just just get full of God and let all that junk just overflow. And of course, Pastor Nancy has also since then, 
you know, gave him the illustration about using the hose in the dog bowl, you know, and just blow all that junk out. Don't pick all the bugs and stuff out. Just blast it with the, with the Word of God, with the water, the, with the Holy Ghost. Just get full of Him and let all the junk flow. Well, I remember that helped me so much. And see, then I'd get more revelation. I'd get more light. And I'd get, you know, things would just come to me in my spirit, not just my head. But, uh, and see, you just continue to, don't forget those things. Keep walking in those things. Keep those things stirred up. That'll be a great help to you. That'll be a great help to you. But uh, let's look at this, uh, Ecclesiastes 9. My goodness, we'll start in verse 8. Let your garments always be white, and let your head lack no oil. My goodness. Verse 9, live joyfully with the, wife of, uh, with the wife whom you love all the days of your vain life. He's kind of, he's <laughs> Solomon's kind of on a kick right there in this, uh, in this whole book of Ecclesiastes. He's all ticked off at people just living their vain life without God in it. But still there's a point there. He said, let your garments always be white and let your head lack no oil. Now, there's a, there's a uh, principle here. Now, see, when you, live, when you live right and you're pleasing God and living clean before Him and giving your body to the right things and keeping it away from the wrong things, there's an anointing on your life. And, and you can partake of the anointing. And when, you, and when you step out of that bounds where you're not living in cleanliness, again, you know, God's not, He's not looking around the corner for every little mistake and mess up you make. But the thing is, see, we've got we to gotta have the right heart. You've got to have the right heart got to have the right heart to please him and to be pure in heart to please him and see he's looking at that and he's looking at the decisions you make based on based on the purity of your heart and that's going to allow the anointing to flow in your life stronger and everybody everybody should want the anointing on their life because there's there's an anointing that that you get a that you get a chance to partake of in God that is just his anointing to lead you and to guide you and to help you and then there's an anointing that comes upon you to minister and to witness and to be a blessing in the ministry of helps here at church and everything that's going on in your life and in things that you're called to do probably a lot of business people future business people here in this church a lot of great ideas a lot of things here in this group right here music people and uh, man got great vision for things to be used of God musically and just in all sort of areas but you're going to have to get a hold of this because there's an anointing that will come from just living clean there's an anointing that'll come from just living clean. I've experienced it. You know, I don't, I'm not, uh, you know, I don't feel like I'm a prophet or anything like that. But there's been times, man, I remember the, the, the winter retreat, uh, you know, up at Country Lake. That anointing was so strong. I, I'd never experienced anything. But see, it wasn't anything about me. It's just, see, part of it's just living clean before God, just living right, just wanting to please Him. And God anoints that. God can anoint that. His power can move on that. His power can minister on that. Hallelujah. Praise God. I hope I'm helping you tonight. You know, you can go to school and have an anointing on you, and you maybe not even be aware of it sometimes. But uh, everybody knows you're different. Everybody knows that there's a power on you that's, that's affecting them for the better. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Well, my, my, my. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Let your garments always be white and let your head lack no oil. You know, you could, you, I just, I don't see any limits in that. I don't see any limits in that. That I could just get, I could just get, I could just get more, more holy. I could get more clean. I could just get more dialed in. More, more separated in my life. More sanctified in my life. And just the anointing, just keep moving and keep flowing and just get in it deeper. Get in it further. Get in it stronger. My goodness, think about that. Hallelujah. Glory to God. There's a lot of things that it's hard to get into if you don't live right. 
Oh, you all ain't ready for this. Go to Ezekiel. Ezekiel. We're going to Ezekiel. Ezekiel 16. Um, glory to God. This is a unique verse of Scripture, but I think we're going to start Ezekiel 16. I'm going to, I'm going to, I might explain it here in a minute, but we're going to start in verse 28. And uh, before I read this, Brother Jordan mentioned it two weeks ago about um, what's, what they refer to as the law of diminishing returns. And, you know, when you, when you give yourself... There's a lot of natural laws sometimes that, that are used in preaching about this. And uh, one is the law of diminishing returns when what used to satisfy doesn't satisfy anymore. And a lot of times that's used when it's talking about when people are talking about, you know, physical attraction and physical activity between uh, members of the opposite sex and things like that. And, um, but I want to go a little bit different direction with you tonight to help you see some things. Verse 28, Ezekiel 16, 28. You also played... Now, he's talking to his, his people. He's talking to, he's talking to the nation of Israel. The Jews, he's talking, to, he's talking to the descendants of Israel, the descendants of Abraham, his chosen people. You also played the harlot with the Assyrians because you were insatiable. It means you wasn't satisfied. Indeed, you played the harlot with them and still were not satisfied. So he's saying they weren't satisfied. Then they went a little further and they still weren't satisfied. Verse 29, Moreover, you multiplied your acts of harlotry, and as far as the land of the traitor Chaldee, and even then, you were still not satisfied. And see, not just the area between you and somebody else, but I want to talk about the things that we begin to give ourselves to that sometimes we don't stop ourselves. And today, see, it's a lot easier. It's just to click away. And a lot of times, it's not... I mean, just, just this time of year, just shopping on the Internet can get you in trouble. I mean, just, shop, just buying your wife something nice can get you in trouble if you ain't cautious. I'm not saying I got in trouble. I'm not, not using that as an example because I'm aware of it. No, I'm just saying that you've got to be cautious. And, uh, and the thing is, see, if you give yourself to that and begin to entertain those little things... Then and you know the guys. I'm a I'm a guy. That's the way I grew up. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a man, and so I know I know how you know how they deal with. And the ladies, I may not be able to relate to you the same way, but the thing is, is you know you're not that different. You're still sexual beings, just like the men are, and uh, you got desires just like the men do. And so we got to be cautious. And the thing is, though you may be a little different, you got to learn. Where the devil would try to get you off, where your flesh would try to get off. Everybody's got to learn that. Male or female, it don't matter. And, uh, and see, we got to be cautious because, and I've seen this, and you all have seen it. When someone on the news does some weird sexual crime that's got murder in it, and it's got incest in it, and it's terrible, and it's crazy. Where did that start? Where did that come from? And then you hear them say, it was almost like I couldn't stop myself. It was almost like I became somebody else. <laughs> yeah. Exactly, because you got into something that you weren't satisfied. Because when you don't do it God's way, it doesn't satisfy. Pornography doesn't satisfy. Entertaining those thoughts about that, that, about that good-looking boy that you like at church, it's not going to satisfy you. And so you entertain that, and it don't satisfy, you want more. You need something else. And then you expand your borders, and you start messing around in stuff that you've got no business to, and then it still don't satisfy. And before you know it, you're all caught up in a way and you become someone that you thought you'd never be. It happens. It happens. I have seen it. I knew a young man that, that, that we played his songs in this church 
played his songs in this church. Dr. Dufresne called him out about the call of God on his life and he laid on his floor for 40 minutes and now he plays in a band that is sponsored by Miller High Life. That's a beer. So guess what? If he's on their tour, guess what kind of places he's playing at? Places that sell Miller Highlight bars. That's where he's playing at. And see, something happened where he didn't make that. He didn't. He got entwined in a in a, in a in a in a web there of something that he he made decisions and got further over, further over, further over where he didn't deal with it when it was small. And see, it doesn't satisfy. It doesn't satisfy. Man, that doesn't satisfy. And you end up becoming somebody that you wish you would have stopped yourself long ago. That's why those people that do those weird things and weird crimes, they say it's almost like something took me over. Yeah, what you gave yourself took you over. What you gave yourself took you, took you over. Well, glory to God. Hallelujah. So, it, I, And I'll be bold. If you're playing around in some things, you've got to learn how to put the axe to the root now. You've got to learn how to deal with it now. You've got to learn how to use your faith now. You've got to learn how to uh, change your mind now. And I'm, I'll just go ahead and say it right now. The, the thing that changed my life forever when I was dealing with a lot of this as a teenager was my pastor said it. I remember one time the Holy Ghost was just ministering. He was saying it every time he preached. And then my youth minister would say it every time they preached. And for it took about two months. And finally the light came on where he said, you cannot combat thoughts with thoughts. You have to combat thoughts with words. That is, that is the thing that has changed my life. You cannot combat your thoughts. You can't change the way you think by just thinking a good thought. Oh, I'm going to think about riding motorcycles instead of thinking about her. No, you're going to have to speak to it. You're going to have to talk to your mind. You're going to have to command that thing to go, and you're going to have to talk to your mind to think right. You're going to have to change it. You're going to have to change it. Then you can replace it with a thought. But don't replace it with a thought until you spoke to it, until you took authority over it. That will change your life. I'm telling you, get a hold of that now. Get a hold of that now because, see, well, glory to God. We'll get there. We'll get there where we're going. Um, well, let's go there now. 1 Corinthians 15. Glory to God. I'm not going to be too much longer. Hallelujah. Thank you. You guys are pulling it out of me. 1 Corinthians 15. I know we're looking at a lot of verses tonight, but it's good. The Word's good. Come on. Verse 33. 1 Corinthians 15, 33. This is not, a, uh, not an unfamiliar verse. But... Um, Paul says here, do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. Evil company corrupts good habits. Now, I'm not going to go the direction with this that you think I'm going to go. But I want you to think about the fact that you should have good habits. And if you want to stay out of that, that web I was just talking about where you go here and you're unsatisfied, you go here and it still don't satisfy, so you go a little further into something and it still doesn't satisfy, you want to stay out of that, learn to create good habits. Learn to create good habits. Learn to create good habits in life. That's, you know, there's, that's why I always preach about decisions. Because if you can create a habit of making good choices long before you ever get to the point where you have to make a major choice, it'll save your life. And, uh, you know, Pastor said something. We were in a kind of private setting with him a couple weeks ago. And, and he got in the Holy Ghost and came and talked to my wife and, and gave us a word by the Holy Ghost. He said, and he kind of worked his finger like this. He said, you've been, work, you've been building your ministry. 
You've been building your ministry. Now see, not everybody... Now for us, I just... If I, was, if I was called to be a good sheep in this house forever, then to be honest, I should probably get with it. I should get a better career, get some job training, things like that. But that's not what I'm called to do. I'm called to be in full-time ministry. But the thing is, is, see, not everybody's called to that. But whatever you're called to do, you have to realize you're building your life. What about just being like a brother less than a Miss Mary where you got the nice house, you got a family that loves God, serves God, you got prosperity and getting more of it. Now I'm the spitting starting, Stephen. And uh, they always tease me Sunday night. And um, you see, what about just being like that, being someone? What about walking in the fullness of God and the fullness that God has for you? Ain't nobody in this room yet that's walking in the fullness of what God has. No way. No way. God created this whole world and put one man in the middle of it. Nobody here is walking in the fullness of what God has. We, the, where the Bible says, woe to those who are rich, you don't know anybody that rich. You don't know anybody who's rich like God thinks is rich. You don't know anybody like that. You don't know anybody that rich. Brother Joe may. <laughs> but, uh, but you don't, you don't know anybody that is that rich. What God says, woe to him who's rich. You don't know anybody that's that rich. That God said, don't woe to him who's rich, who has that much money. Woe to him. You don't know anybody that rich. Nah. My goodness, think about that. Praise God. How did I get off on that? I'm not sure. But, but uh, see, this is important that we build the right habits in our life. If you build the right habits... It'll put you on a road. Those habits will put you on a path and a road that keeps you from all the junk, keeps you from all the stuff, keeps you from all the trash, keeps you from getting caught up in that road. Because I'm telling you, the, uh, you know, the wages of sin is death. And, and, and you, know, you may not have to ever get so far from God that, that, you, you know, that you get away from Him completely. But the thing is, you don't want to go down that road. You don't want to get into those wages. You don't want to, go, you don't want to lead down to death at all, period. You don't want to get in that realm. You don't want to go that way. My goodness, I hope I'm helping you tonight. And uh, so create habits. Um, Learn to create habits of looking away quickly. Looking away quickly. Let's go to Job Job 31. We're going to Job. We're going in the Old Testament a little bit tonight. It's good. That's before Psalms. People tease what good can come out of Job, but there's a lot of good scriptures in Job. My goodness, there's a lot of good scriptures. A lot of good scriptures. I could quote many. Job 4 4 talks about he uh, strengthens the feeble knees. I always like that one. Had a knee injury, I just quote that one. And get healed up real quick. And uh, love the word. My goodness, that's where your answers are. It's in the word, it's everywhere in the word. There's something good in every book. And uh, there is. And uh, glory to God. Um, Job 31, verse 1. I made a covenant with my eyes. Why then should I look upon a young woman? Now, the other, in other translations, he's saying, why should I look upon a woman with lust in my heart? And uh, see, not, not talking about just looking at somebody. He's saying looking in the wrong way. Because you all know the difference between a, a glance and a look. You all know the difference between a glance and a look. Dr. Summerall said one time, most of you don't, don't, don't know the difference between a woman's smile. You think, you, you know, she smiles at 16 other guys the same way she smiled at you. You ain't all that special. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you got to learn that. You got to learn that. I knew my, my wife's my smile was different when she smiled at me. But, uh, well, come on. I, didn't even, I hadn't even seen her smile before, but I knew that one was different. <laughs> But, uh, see, I will not, I made a covenant with my eyes. That's the important thing, see. He, he began to make a, a habit 
where I'm going to promise myself that I'm going to, that I'm not going to do, I'm making a covenant with my eyes. I'm not going to let, I vow to myself, I'm not going to let these eyes look at things they shouldn't look at. And that's one of the greatest things that I learned in life, that when I seen something that even though my flesh may think it looks good, I like, I get excited, whatever, turn away, turn away, turn away instantly, turn away, turn away. Because see, I'm protect your flesh, yeah, it might feel good, look good, whatever, get excited, but the thing is that don't mean it's right. Because, see, we're learning to possess our vessel. You're learning to possess this flesh. And so you've got to learn to turn away quickly. Turn away quickly. Turn away quickly. Something on the Internet that ain't right, turn away quickly. Click away. Click away. Get away from it. Don't ever give yourself opportunity to where you have, where you have access to look at something you shouldn't look at. Run with people. Run with good people. Run with people that... Don't run with the people that are going to corrupt your good habits. But run with the people who are going to help build your good habits. Praise God. And learn, learn to look away quickly. Learn to look away quickly. Learn to look at the right things. Well, praise God. Uh, create a habit of casting down thoughts. Real quick, go to 2 Corinthians. Many of you probably know where I'm going, but 2 Corinthians 10. This, this verse of Scripture here changed my life too. And this is something that I remember when it jumped off the page at me when I got a hold of it by the Holy Ghost. Changed my life. Changed my life. Glory to God. We'll get through this quickly and then wrap it up here. Um, create habits of casting down thoughts. Second Corinthians 10, 3 through 6. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God. For pulling down strongholds. See, you're, you're, you're not going to win in your flesh. You could possess your flesh, but you're not going to win in your flesh. Verse 5, casting down arguments in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Bringing every thought into, capti- into captivity. How? Casting it down. With your mouth. With your mouth. Casting it down. Remember, we don't combat thoughts with thoughts. We combat thoughts with words. Casting down arguments in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Bringing every thought into captivity. Every thought. Into every thought that's not right. Every thought. To make sure you're pleasing God with that thought. Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. You know, when you lay down at night, and, I, and Miss, my youth minister, uh, they were a couple, and Miss Valinda was her name, the wife. And she used to always pray every service that I was in with her. She'd say, and Father... As they, lay, as they lay down tonight in that stillness of time before they fall asleep, speak to them. Begin to talk to them. Begin to, begin, begin to give them your thoughts. Begin to give them your dreams. And I, and I, I pray that today still over the 6th through 8th graders upstairs because I remember that helped me so much. And in that stillness of time that I can, I can begin to get God's dreams for my life. I can begin to get God's passions for my life. And they begin to help me. And, uh, but see... Glory to God. When you, in that stillness of time, learn to think about your calling. Learn to think about doing something for God. Learn to think about pleasing Him. Learn to, learn to think about being used of God. Learn to think about that instead of the kind of things that would try to get into your mind. Learn to just create a good habit of thinking about God's plan for your life. Think about raising godly kids. Thinking about staying in the church forever. Think about being connected. Right? Thinking about how you can get more connected to your pastors, to your church. Think about that. My goodness. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, I hope I'm helping you tonight. Um, Create habits of repenting quickly. Let's go to Hebrews 4. 
Oh, you didn't know I had all this in me, did you? <laughs> Actually, you probably did, because <laughs> I preach all the time. Sometimes my wife, my wife has to work a night shift, and she'll come home in the mornings, and I'll be up, and I'm studying and reading, and I start spouting off things to her, and she's like, huh, what are you saying? I don't get it. <laughs> Just because she's so sleepy, she don't get it, but... but um, Praise God. She still loves on me and encourages me. But uh, Hebrews 4, verse 16. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. My goodness, what an awesome verse of Scripture. A lot of people get in trouble and they want to run from God. A lot of people play around with something that gets them in trouble or start to go just... They don't even get that far down the path, but they take one wrong step and they just feel like, oh, I can't go to God now. I can't go back to church now. I I knew someone that made some bad decisions and got into a real bad mess in their life. And you know, they wouldn't come back to church. They wanted to, but they wouldn't because they felt like everybody was going to judge them because they were pregnant and their husband-to-be was killed in a car accident and they're left with child and everybody knew it. I mean, it was a big thing. How could you hide that? But see, the thing is, is they, they felt like no one was going to, everybody's going to look down on them. My goodness, no, we were going to love on them. That's a tragic situation. We want to see them make it. We want to see them make it. We wanted to put the right things in them. We wanted to help them. But see, they, they didn't make the right choice. Come boldly to the throne throne of grace. Never run from him. Never run from him. You know, my brother said that, that when he first came back to the church and things, that he felt like everybody knew what he had been doing. Nobody knew what he had been doing, but he felt like that. He felt like everybody knew and that everybody was up in his business and everybody was looking down on him. We're happy people come to church. This is where you get your help. We're not down on anybody, but uh, glory to God. Hallelujah. Come, always create a habit of, of repenting quickly. Yes. Glory to God. I hope you're enjoying this. Um, real quick, let's go to 1 Thessalonians 5. My goodness, where did I get all these scriptures? Come on. 1 Thessalonians 5, 22. Create a habit of abstaining from things that may not be wrong, but may look wrong. Create a habit of abstaining or staying away from things that may not be wrong, but look wrong. And uh, glory to God. Verse 22, 1 Thessalonians 5, 22. Abstain from every form of evil. Abstain from every form of evil. Now, who has a, I think it's the King James that says, stay away from uh, or abstain from all appearance of evil. All appearance of evil. Things that appear evil. Things that may not, may not be wrong, but it don't look right. It don't look right. And uh, that's why I don't like sitting in the bar area of a restaurant because I'm a Christian. (laughs) I represent God. I don't represent that. I'm not one of those people that try to drown my sorrows in in alcohol and and in some kind of substance. I don't do that. I don't do that. And I'm not, not, you know, I love people, but I'm not going to be the kind of person. Some people, they just, they present that that as if they're so proud that that they're a drunk. And that they can't handle the pressures of life. And they just got to fold all the time. And they got to, you know, I've been in airports where a plane gets delayed. And four or five people say, oh, where's the bar? Where's the bar? Me and my wife have experienced it. People immediately, they're so stressed out from having to wait for a layover. They got to go get a little something. Man, what a sad state. What a sad state. My goodness, how would I get off on that? But I'm not going to hang out in places like that. I'm not going to hang out in places like that. That's why, you know, I, you got to be cautious. You got to be cautious. 
and uh, just getting on the internet and stuff, you may not be doing anything wrong, but somebody's watching you. Somebody's watching you. Maybe in a place of business or a place of work, just be cautious. And the, some of the video games you have and stuff may not, may not be all that bad to you, but, you know, there may be something that would just not look right if someone else seen something. Just be, just be, just be cautious. Abstain from things that may not be wrong, but look wrong. And um, page three. All right. Glory to God. Didn't mean to hurt your ears there, but I was just so excited. We're on page three. Um, I, a uh, couple, couple, I don't know, well, about, about a year ago, I guess, my wife and I, when we, uh, one of our first major purchases together that we had made as a husband and wife, you know, when we got married, I had some stuff, she had some stuff, but for the most part, we didn't have a lot of things, furniture and all that stuff, curtains, you know, that stuff typically you just don't have. And, um, so we had the joy of getting a lot of that stuff. But our first big purchase that we got together was that we bought a, um, God blessed us, and we, we were able to purchase a real nice leather sofa, and um, real nice leather sofa. And, um, and uh, we, uh, you know, when we loved that couch. Oh, my goodness, we enjoyed that couch. We had a good time on that couch. We'd lay down, eat a meal on it, whatever, you know. It's big and wide, and you get two people on You can lay down. It's nice. I mean, the nicest leather sofa I've ever seen, and I'm not being biased because it's mine. It just is. It's, a ni- it's nice. It's nice. Very nice. I'm excited about it. You can tell. I like it. I made a good choice. We did. She did. But uh, she found it. But uh, I paid for it. <laughs> I'm teasing. I'm teasing. But uh, we paid for it. But, uh, you know, a couple months, couple months ago, we got a new little puppy, you know. And that changed things about the way we treated that couch. Because if I sit on it, if she sits on it, Joab's going to come up running. And his claws are going to cut that couch, going to scratch that couch. We've got to be very cautious. He's going to chew on it and all on it. We want him to think that it don't exist. So you know what? We don't sit on that couch much anymore. We don't sit down and eat a meal on it. We don't lay down and watch TV on it. Not right now. And, uh, and see, the, my point in telling you that is because that what, the reason why we protect it so much is because we got a lot invested in it. We got a lot invested in it. And see, the world would say, oh, you invest in what's important to you. Not, not always. God's, God's plan, God's system, is that He gives you opportunity to invest into His ground, into His kingdom, and then you sow seed into His kingdom. That ground begins to work on your seed, and it comes up as a harvest. And then the seed, the ground, and the harvest become valuable to you because you invested in it. You invested in it. I know that sounds kind of deep right now, but I'm telling you, you need to learn how to invest. You're building your life. You're building your life. You need to learn how to invest in your life. Because I'm telling you, people that just throw away their relationship with God, throw away their relationship with their pastor, throw away their relationship with their Bible, they didn't invest in it properly. They didn't invest in it properly, or it would have been more valuable to them. They wouldn't have thrown it away. They wouldn't have stabbed their pastor in the back and just left the way they did and tried to take half the church. It wouldn't have went, wouldn't have went that way if they would have knew how to invest. And I've seen young people get messed up because their parents didn't know how to teach them how to invest into their life. Oh, just go anywhere you want to college. Oh, just go anywhere you want. Do anywhere. Go hang out with anybody you want. Go get in that band. It'll be good for you. <laughs> no. No, you got to you got to teach you know parents got to teach their kids how to invest, and you got to learn how to invest into your life. My goodness, 
Come on. Praise God. I hope I'm helping. You've got to learn to invest in your life because what you invest in will become valuable to you. It'll become valuable to you. My goodness. Hallelujah. All right. We're going about to wrap this up. Go to Ephesians 5. I've been preaching this scripture on this subject for a long, long time. But um, it's still good, and I was just getting more light from it today. And uh, praise God, I don't, I'm not ashamed to preach the same thing. And, uh, you know, you know me, I get fresh man all the time. I live that way. But, uh, but I also don't apologize for something that, that's relevant, period. Like I said, those revelations, don't ever lose them. Don't ever lose the things that have stood out to you and that God ministered to you and changed your life with. And this is one of the scriptures that God taught me how to live uh, uh, in sexual purity and live clean in an unclean world. Uh, We'll start in verse 1, Ephesians 5. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. But fornication, that's things in this realm that doesn't please God sexually, things in your body, things in your mind, and all uncleanness, uncleanness, all uncleanness, or covetousness, that's wanting something that don't belong to you, and let it not even be named among you. And let it not even be named among you. One translation, one translation says, let not a hint of sexual immorality be among you. Let not a hint. Not lot, not, let not a little sliver of it be among you. Now he's talking to a body of believers, but what about in you? What about a hint? What it being named among you just in your life? Could we name it in your life today? Could we have named it in your life yesterday? Could we have named something that was sexual immorality in your life last week? Could we have named it? Hmm? It's a good question. Verse 4. Well, no, let's keep reading. I didn't get to all that, did I? Let not it even be named among you as is fitting for the saints. It's not fitting for the saints for that to be among us. Verse 4. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor coarse jesting. Well, you know what that is. That's those jokes, guys, that you shouldn't be saying. That's those things that you wouldn't tell your mama or your pastor or Miss Donna. Well, come on. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but, here's the, here's the key, but rather giving thanks. But rather giving thanks. You see, you want to learn the key to staying out of the junk of life and all of that right there? Learn to develop a, a worship life with the Father. Learn to, learn to develop a life of worship and praise and thankfulness unto Him. Learn to give. He, see, God, God never told us what to let go of without telling us what to grab hold of. Never told you what to let go of without telling you what to grab hold of. And that is that you develop a life of fellowship, a life of giving thanks to the Word, a life of giving praise to Him. And it'll keep you clean. It'll keep you right. Glory to God. And I'll just leave you with that. Learn that you're investing into your life. You're investing into your life. And the more you fellowship with God, the more you give thanks, the more you just get involved with developing that relationship with Him, that all oh, that just praise life with Him, putting Him first in every, every area of your life, all of your decisions, what you do with your money, uh, what, where you go to college, what kind of classes you're going to take, who you're going to marry, where you go to church, all of those things you're putting before Him and putting Him first in your life, wanting to please Him in all those areas. 
It's going to keep you clean because your heart's going to keep you right. I want, it, I want my heart to be right. I want my life. I'm building my life. I want it to please God. I don't want anything in my life that's not going to please Him. Well, I hope I helped you tonight. Glory to God. Let's stand up real quick.